This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Hey, guess what? I've got a book coming out. How exciting is that? It's called School X, and it's all about helping you as a principal be a designer of your school and not just a manager. So I hope you'll check it out. You can download the free chapter at schoolx.me. So just go to schoolx.me to download the first free chapter. And once you get it, hit reply to the email and tell me what you think. Looking forward to sharing that with you. That's schoolx.me. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Great instruction gets students engaged. TeachFX equips teachers with the instructional strategies and job-embedded feedback they need to get students engaged in virtual or in-person classes. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com slash transformative principle. I am excited to be a media partner for the Conrad Challenge. The Conrad Challenge is this amazing educational experience that allows students to create real-world applications to solve problems that we are facing today. It's amazing. Check out more at conradchallenge.org. That's conradchallenge.org. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is episode 359, and I'm excited to welcome Andrea Keith to the program. She's the Vice President of School Programs at Let Grow. So welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. So let's start out by talking about what Let Grow is, first and foremost, where where you spend the majority of your time. What What is Let Grow? Let Grow is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to really bring back childhood independence. We're trying to equip parents and educators and communities so that they can help students become independent kids who can be successful in this crazy world of wherever we're going to go. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we believe there's been some pretty major changes in parenting over the last couple of generations that we think have contributed to students not being as confident and as resilient uh, as I think previous generations were. 
Yeah, let's talk about some of those changes that have happened. It hasn't just been during the pandemic, but things have been leading up to it, right? So what are some things that have changed like in our society that has made made our kids different than they may have been otherwise? The biggest thing really comes down to the whole phenomenon of helicopter parenting. And that has, in a lot of ways, been fed by the media and social media and a lot of fear and kind of a general attitude amongst society that it is a parent's job to protect their child from not not only harm, but from any discomfort or ideas or thoughts that maybe are unpleasant or frustrations, so on and so forth. And as that has become the norm, it is also fed into this idea that kids need to be supervised and organized in adult-led activities. And so what we don't see are children out playing pre-pandemic, obviously, but children out playing outside in groups until the street light came on, finding their own things to do, negotiating their differences in order to keep the play going. And I'll date myself a little bit. I, I, I was a child in, in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And that's what we did. We went outside and we played all day. And I also made my own lunch. And, you know, there was just a lot of things that kids did that I don't think we recognize the loss has caused problems for us. I think that's really interesting because, you know, while we're on the subject of dating ourselves, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And so we still did that then. But this idea of protecting youth and especially being in organized activities led by adults really started coming in when I was a child, I feel like, where that was a big piece that everybody was on a softball team or baseball team or playing some other sport. And those really went from being, you know, just volunteer coaches trying to get people together to now it's like, you know, as a school principal, I had students. In fact, I was a principal of the homeschool and we had many students who were in homeschool because their competitive hockey or soccer travel was too much for them to do regular school. <laughs> and so it, it 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 escalated a lot and and some of those things like we we changed as as parents because we didn't want our kids to get hurt or injured or abducted i know that was an issue when i was a child also that somebody could just snatch me off the street and those things still happen they're still you know trafficking in humans which is horribly unfortunate but we have lost that that opportunity why do you think that we've gone away from those things and become more helicopter parents. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd love to address first that you bring you brought up child abduction, and you know, I remember that being an issue. I went through it when I was a kid, and had these families who had a blue hand in their window, and those were the families that where the mom was home during the day, and if you were walking home from school and a car stopped or something, those were the safe places to go. So, I mean, that was brought up then. I think the phenomenon of the internet, and this is my personal opinion, honestly, but I think the phenomenon of the internet has spread so many stories and heightened that level of fear that we have parents believing that 
right around the corner. Right now, I'm sure there's a white van around the corner just waiting for some child to walk by. And when you really start looking at some of that, or you start looking at things like the child trafficking that is that is horrible, you start looking at the statistics and realize that it's family members or it's runaways, and that a lot of these things are sensationalized, I think, and the internet definitely lends itself to that. And I think that's true of of not just you know that particular safety issue. I think it's true of parenting in general. Everybody is worried about what everybody else will think about their parenting. That becomes kind of the the impetus that okay, well, gosh, I'd like to let my kid go to the park by themselves. I think that they're capable, but somebody else might shame me for it or call the cops. And so that kind of snowballs out, and it all gets posted on on social media and perpetuates itself, I think. So let's talk a little bit about how fostering independence is actually beneficial to kids and how if we allow them to, you know, play outside till the lights come on, that that actually helps them and doesn't hinder them as much as we might think. What evidence have you seen or what benefits have you seen for kids? Yeah, I, I think that the biggest thing is when we tell our kids that you can't cross the street, it's dangerous. When we tell them that's not safe or here, let me do that for you. As parents, we're very well-meaning. We want the best for our kids and teachers, teachers are the same way. What we don't realize we're doing is when kids constantly hear that message, they will internalize that message. And so what they are learning is that the world is a dangerous place. I'm not capable. I need to be afraid. I need an adult to tell me what to do at all times in order to be safe. And I don't think anybody intends their kids to be given that message, but it happens. And so then then where we see it really manifesting itself, I think, is in school. So we end up with kids that are going to school who they have to be handed their supplies. They they have no idea what to do unless the teacher stands over their shoulder. Or I think of, you know, having been an elementary school teacher myself, the idea that I need to somehow show you an example of what your finished product should look like. That that is all kind of comes along with that. So that's that's what these kids are doing. And then all of a sudden we say, well, be creative come up with your own project, own your own learning, or go to college and start expanding your mind. And I think they've been so trained and conditioned completely unintentionally to want to know, well, what's it supposed to look like? If I don't know, if I don't know what you want, then I can't do this. And we need people to be innovative and come up with ways to solve the wicked problems in the world. And I, I, I worry that we're not preparing students to do that. And it starts with something as simple as tie your own shoe. Yeah, it, it really does. And I, I felt that way for a long time about education in general and how we, with every pro- project that we create that tells kids how to do it, that project-based learning is not really project-based learning. It's just following a step-by-step plan that somebody else has created. There has to be the open end. We have to not know the result in order for that to really show kids independence and what they can actually accomplish on their own. And and it's just so tragic that we are kind of stuck in that area because we we take away a lot of things from kids that we really don't need to take away from them. And they aren't able to create what they could create otherwise. Another guy I know who does a podcast, he showed me a video of his audio editor editing a podcast 
And this audio editor is like 10 or 11 years old. And so it's a kid who is doing it. And I got to tell you, this kid was amazing. And what he was doing, and I thought there's no way that that kid can go to a regular school because a regular school would not enable him and allow him to do something like that. So this kid is already a professional editing podcast, and he was amazing. And I got to tell you, his facial expressions, and when somebody said, um, in fact, as I was telling the story, I was thinking, oh my gosh, if he was editing this, he'd be rolling his eyes and laughing that I'm doing it so poorly and I keep stepping over myself and all that. But we we take that away from kids. And like you said, I don't think it's intentional, but that's just kind of how we've gotten, that's what it's come to now. So with this pandemic, especially, what have you seen with kids not having the independence that they probably should? The pandemic in some ways has had a little bit of a silver lining actually for, for independence for kids because so much of the lack of independence comes from the overscheduling and, you know, kids don't have unstructured free time because they're either playing organized sports or they've got a tutor or all of these kind of resume building types of activities that that parents have got their kids involved in and of course insist their their kids love it it's fabulous they're having a great time and and in some cases they are and maybe not but what we saw is when all of a sudden school was canceled and all of the after school activities and and kids are sitting at home bored out of their minds which by the way may be a feeling they've never had before they have they've stepped up we actually found that a lot of kids have been doing new things on their own that they've never tried before we've seen kids step up and start cooking for the family taking care of their siblings finding new things to do we did a survey recently looking at what was happening with with kids and families during the pandemic and there are kids who taught themselves how to paint how to play guitar one one parent in the survey reported that their kids were learning how to mine for bitcoin on the internet and these are really exciting and fun things to hear. So on the one hand, for some kids, not all, obviously, but for some kids, having that unstructured free time and experiencing boredom has pushed them to step up a bit. And it's given parents the chance to recognize that maybe their kids are more capable of doing things on their own than they they were allowed to previously. Well, and in schools, unstructured time is really a bad word because that's when kids get in trouble, right? And so (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there there is a lot of naughtiness that happens during unstructured time, but that's what you were talking about, kids learning how to, to negotiate situations and talk with their peers and, and have conversations and understand what the other people are saying and where they're coming from and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's important to have that time, but also in schools, we've also pushed this narrative that every minute bell to bell needs to be instruction and anything less than that is not good. And I feel like that's another area where, you know, I didn't think about this beforehand, but as you were saying that last piece about when kids aren't structured all day during the pandemic, it opened up a lot of doors. And I think we need to be able to do that more often. And I was seen as a heretic in my last district because I did give kids unstructured time that was not connected to any class period for an hour and 40 minutes twice a week. And the things that kids created and did during that time was just amazing. And unfortunately, it couldn't last because it was too it was too much for the adults to think of these kids not having something 
specific to do. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose professional learning platform doubles student engagement online or in person. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. So how do we get over that as the adults? How do we how do we become okay with kids having unstructured time and having their own independence? You know, for for any age level, from kindergarten or preschool all the way up to seniors in high school. If I really knew the answer to that, <laughs> I think that that reeducation almost of adults is is what we're talking about. I think it's interesting that we are seeing a real focus on social emotional learning, and obviously, a lot of what Let Grow does, uh, our school programs promote childhood independence and free play. It is social emotional learning. It absolutely is. But part of me, the, the, the cynical part of me, thinks back and, and thinks, I wasn't taught social emotional learning when I was a kid. There might have been the occasional character type of thing. When I was teaching fourth grade over a decade ago, social emotional learning wasn't a phrase that we were throwing around. And now it is. And I think it's very important. And I absolutely agree that the competencies that especially like Castle is talking about are crucial for our students just to become good human beings. But I think that part of me worries a little bit or is a little bit sad as to why do we have to specifically and intentionally teach these self-awareness and self-management and these things? And is that because when we were kids, even you know, you and I were, were generation almost apart, but when we were kids, because we had those opportunities outside of school, at school during recess, before school, out on the playground, instead of sitting in a line waiting for the teacher to call you in or those types of things, we automatically had the experiences to build those skills and to practice them in a natural and unpredictable environment. And so I really feel like um, we need to help adults experience maybe some of that unstructured free time and see the results with kids. Because just like you saw, when you give them the opportunity and a few loose parts, <laughs> you know, who knows what they'll come up with. That's that's so vital to their success, um, giving them that unstructured time. And I love how you said that in a few loose parts, because really, 
Um, that's all they need to get started. They don't need a ton. And, um, you know, I, was, I hadn't thought about that, that social emotional learning wasn't something that we learned as kids ourselves in the classroom setting. But it's really interesting because I, I just did another podcast episode 358 with Barbara Boca, and she talked about Maria Montessori and how Maria Montessori's educational philosophy, she claimed, was the first one that was scientific in that it was done through a, a process to determine what was actually working. And I thought how interesting, how far away from that we've come to our data-driven society that there is no following the child in typical traditional education because it is all prescriptive. It's all, here's what you're going to learn and we're going to get to that. And then we're going to move on to the next thing. And, and the same thing with social emotional learning, like we, we weren't taught that and we had to figure it out on our own. And some people became well-adjusted, appropriate human beings, other people, not so much. And even still, like, even though we're teaching it, some kids are turning into well-adjusted, appropriate human beings and others, not so much. <laughs> and so I, I really think that that's a, that's an interesting thing that I'd love to, to dig more into to how that, how that works. So let's talk just a little bit about that. My ancestors are pioneer stock. So they are they travel across the United States in wagons, hand carts, and they were super tough, super like intense people who, you know, could walk through, you know, snow pulling a hand cart and still make it to their destination. I, it just blows my mind. My wife and I have af often had the conversation, how do we help our kids develop those traits that we know our ancestors have that we have also inherited because that's just what we believe that you just are going to do good things and you're going to make it to your destination. How do we help our kids do that? Because we don't live on a farm. We don't have to travel by hand cart, you know, and we have a much more advanced and comfortable lifestyle than they ever could have even imagined. How do we teach that to our kids? I need you to coach me, Andrea, so that my wife and I can be better parents. I, I can tell you that our, our biggest program, the Let Grow Project, which is the school program side of it, but also has a, a parent side, which is really our independence kit, is about giving your children opportunities to do something without supervision. And we have to be reminded as, as a parent, it's very easy for us to, you, you, you do what's comfortable. I have two grown up kids, so I've been there too. You do what's comfortable. You're going to do a lot of times what's easiest in the moment because you've got a million things going on. And sometimes that means that it's hard to let our kids do things for the, for themselves because you can't wait for them to finish it type of thing. So our Lecro project goes home with kids as a homework assignment. By the way, it's free. It's completely free. It takes no extra time for teachers to do this. It really is just send this home. And the idea is that your homework assignment for today or for this weekend is to do something new on your own without your parents' help. And the interesting thing is because it goes home as a homework assignment, parents who might not normally let their kid grill a sandwich on the stove or go get the mail down the block, kind of step back a little bit 
and let them do something like that. So we promote that as an ongoing Let Grow project and kids are gradually starting to do a little bit more. In a lot of cases, the parents come back and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I was holding my child back. They are so capable. And I think it becomes a, it becomes a better understanding that growth happens gradually, that letting your child, you know, play in the backyard by themselves at age five is probably okay. But if you haven't done that, then when they're seven, and they want to go down to their friend's house, maybe they don't really have those skills, or they don't feel like you trust them. So it really is a gradual building of things. And I think the biggest thing, I'll tell you from my own parenting experience, the biggest thing is make them accountable for something. You know, I don't know how old your kids are, but I remember I taught my kids to do their own laundry when my daughter was 11 and my son was eight. Now, my daughter was the biggest problem because she never put anything in the hamper. And I just finally got sick of having, you know, my son was starting to follow in her footsteps, although he wasn't quite as bad. But you got to be fair as a parent. So if I'm going to make the one do their laundry, then the other one can too. And I look back at that and it was born of some frustration. But it was huge for them because once they got past the mom, I don't have any underwear. And I say, well, that sucks for you, I guess. And they have to figure out how to handle it. They became more responsible. But if I hadn't kind of forced them to, they'd be perfectly fine if I'd done their laundry till they were adults. And in fact, my son, when he went to college, called me up, oh, mom, you, you won't believe none of my none of my roommates, nobody knows how to do their laundry. I'm having to give them lessons on using the washing machine. And I'm like, you know, must have done something right. And laundry, yeah, laundry is a, is a pretty simple task that it, it's kind of hard to mess that up, you know, and we're probably not buying our kids dry clean only clothes. Some of us, I'm sure are, but most of us probably aren't. And even dry cleaning still uses water, so it's not probably the end of the world if that does happen. But but that's something that my my wife was in a similar situation as you. She said, you know, I'm sick of doing this laundry, and I think it's time for the kids to learn how to do it. My kids right now are 8 to 14, and there's four of them. But, you know, that started a few years ago, and two of them do their laundry by themselves without any help at all. We maybe have to remind them. The other two, they still struggle, and they still need help. You know, just this morning, my daughter put on her, her laundry and put it on the small water size. So it wasn't going to wash her clothes all the way. Right. So, you know, we still have to we have to pay attention still. But, you know, last time she did that and then she put them in the dryer and they weren't all the way done and they totally stunk afterwards. And she learned to pay attention to that. She failed again. That's OK. Yeah. But that's and that's that that's the resiliency and the learning from your mistakes. We hear a lot of educators, they talk a lot about it's okay to fail. Well, it's not okay to fail if if you if you if you haven't learned those lessons that oops, I screwed that up at home, like the laundry, and now it's better, you know. But basically, those are the little things that that parents can help their kids do so that then when they are in school and they're and they're trying to do something innovative or a project-based learning that isn't a fill in the blank, do this, do that, they aren't afraid to try something because they've had those opportunities. Absolutely. Um, so tell us about the Let Grow pro- School programs, how, you know, we're most of the people listening to this are principals or teachers. 
how can they get this? I want you to know I do vehemently oppose ho- oppose homework. I don't think that should happen, but this is the kind of homework that I can actually get behind. So I do not think we should have homework, but this one works. <laughs> yes, it's a matter. It's it's a little subversive, actually. Right. So the LECRO, the LECRO project, we have free implementation guide for anybody who wants it. All you have to do is go to letgrow.org forward slash schools, and I will be happy to send that to you. If there are parents that, that want the parent version, that's available on our website, letgrow.org. They can get that. And then the other program, big program I want to mention is in respect to the free play we've already kind of talked about, we have a Lecro Play Club, which during the pandemic is a little bit on the tricky side, but it is it has been used by schools to provide that unstructured free play at recess or before or after school, those situations because we know not every kid's going home and doing that. So for I am I am really pleased that one of our uh, districts, Pickens School District in South Carolina, had started a play club last year where instead of the kids sitting in the hallways in the morning, they got to go play out on the playground. And when I mentioned loose parts, it's like throw some hula hoops and some balls out there. It's not organized and the, and the teachers stand back and don't interfere at all. But they actually, for the pandemic, are bringing kids back to school and they're doubling their recess time. And I am so thrilled. I know because there's a lot of schools that are basically saying, uh, you know, yeah, the kids will be in the building, but we're going to keep them isolated. We're not going to let them play. And, and so, you know, I have some personal feelings about that. I want the kids to be safe, but I worry about their social development and the fact that what they like most about school is playing with their friends. Yeah. So we've also got the Let Grow Play Club. Both of those implementation guides are, are free. We just want people to use it. And all I ask is if you're doing it, I like to hear about it so that we can tell our, our donors and our sponsors that we're making an impact. Well, I think that that's awesome. And I think kids definitely need more independence. Kids need more permission to do that and more time to be unstructured and, and do things on their own. And they're going to learn more through that than any SEL lesson that we could possibly give them. So thank you again. Again, the place to go for that is letgrow.org slash schools, and you can get that kit that she was talking about. And I want to thank you, Andrea, for being part of Transformative Principal. The last question I ask is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? I would say, and it's a shameless plug, but I would say, Start the project at least once a week after school with your kids, because I think that's the kind of thing that lets us celebrate the types of learning that a lot of kids are having. And it gives them a chance at success, even during this crazy time when some of the rest of it's really hard. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to come on Transformative Principle. Thank you. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. School principals across the country are using TeachFX's virtual PD and job-embedded feedback to boost student engagement during COVID. With TeachFX, teachers get eight times more feedback and generate 144% more student engagement on average in a school year with no additional work for school leaders or teachers. 
To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.